I am Jeff Ado. This is Lunacy, where we discern the sacred from the insane and admit that whether we like it or not, we are all profoundly affected by the cycles of the moon. How? <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, today, my guest is my very good friend, Tori Feldman, who is an ancestral healing expert and also a spiritual mentor. Uh, she does a lot of work uh, with people on healing their ancestral wounds, healing their own wounds. Uh, she's also done some work helping tribal leaders and tribal peoples and indigenous peoples. And she's somebody that's keenly interested in that uh that strain of wisdom in the world as am i and um i'm just really really excited and honored uh to have you on the program today tori it's really a joy thank you for coming jeff it is such a joy to be here with you it's such an honor thank you so much for having me absolutely so in this episode we will be discussing trauma sexual trauma ancestral trauma but we approach it in a really healing light way so if that's something of interest to you, we invite you to listen and explore for yourself. Also, we talk about some things that are personal beliefs. We just invite you to try those on. We're not saying that any of what we're saying is, is true. We're just simply saying this is something that might work for you and might empower you in your own perspective on life. So please try it on like that. Yeah. Beautiful. Amazing. Okay. Cool. Good. So we're, we're going to... Um, Let's just start out with a quick kind of prayer, and I'd love for you to do the honors on that, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I have a candle here that I'll be lighting, and for those of you listening, this is an invitation for you to drop deeper into your body, into this moment, and we're also going to call upon our wise and well ancestors together. So these are your ancestors from a time before there was a core trauma in your lineage. And somewhere down the line, all of us have wise and well-healed ancestors, no matter what patterns or traumas or wounds that you've seen in your lineage. So those are the ones we're calling upon, these ancestors with the highest levels of love and compassion who are here to support us and walk with us in the name of healing, in the name of service in the name of love. So as I prepare to light this candle, an invitation for you to take a moment to center into your heart and to connect to your intention. Feeling that seed of desire in you. That desire to heal yourself. To heal your lineage. And to connect to these ancient ancestors in your line. In this moment, we call upon the light of the divine, the light of Mother Earth, and the light within our own sacred hearts. We call upon our guides our guides in truth, in service, and love. We welcome our guides and angels. We welcome the divine celestial beings 
that work through us for the healing of humanity. And together, we humbly call upon our wise and well ancestors. Come, ancient beings of love. Come and share your wisdom. Come dance in celebration. Come guide us. Protect us. Watch over us. Infusing us with your joy. With your presence. With your messages. We are opening and we are listening. And we set the intention that this conversation in this space ripples out in the name of healing to touch all those who need it most. May it touch the heart of each being who's listening. May it weave back through time and forward into time to touch our ancestors and our descendants. And may this work ripple deep into Mother Earth, Gaia, touching her, elevating her on her journey of healing. May this healing ripple out to touch all the places on this planet and all the people, all the plants, all the animals, all the sacred waters who need it most. We welcome joy. We welcome love. We welcome our wise and well ancestors and the energy of evolution and elevation. Thank you so much to these divine beings. And thank you to each one of us who's tuning in here. For you are a future ancestor. Thank you for your work on this planet. Thank you for choosing this life and this lifetime. For the evolution of humanity and Mother Earth. And so it is. Amen. And so it is. Amen. Is there anything you'd like to add, Jeff? Creator, please uh, allow this conversation to be one of elevation and expansion for ourselves and those who are listening. Allow us to dive deep into our own humility and our own curiosity about this world that we're living in. And allow the things that we speak about to be things that are going to benefit ourselves and our line and each other and all those who participate. And allow the spirit of this podcast, of this interview, to be one of fostering and manifesting harmony of people with each other and people with the planet. Amen. Okay. Great. That was excellent. So I'd like to just kind of get into it. I think the first thing to do would just be to say, to let people know, you know, the Tori and I know each other from doing ceremonial work and healing work and really like delving into our own ancestral traumas and healing ourselves and others and being of service and that kind of thing. So we, we have a, a shared 
history, um, I suppose you could say in, in prayer, um, in reverence of our own variety. Uh, <laughs> and so that's, that's how we know each other. We have a really deep relationship through that work. And, um, and I'd also love to, I've, I've always thought, man, I'd really like to know more about the work that you do as an ancestral healer and who you are in the world that way. And so I think what would be great for me and for also for everybody else is to just get into a little bit of like how you got into, how, how does one get into being an ancestral healer? You know what I mean? That's a very peculiar, you're not doing garbage work. You're not a plumber. You know what I mean? You're an ancestral healer. <laughs> How did you get? How was there like an ad, classified ad that said "ancestral healer wanted"? Or what? What would you? What'd you do there? <laughs> yeah, it's it's been quite the journey, and I want to share before diving into the story that I I really like working with the title of ancestral healing guide rather than ancestral healer because I'm an ancestral healer for my line, and you're an ancestral healer for your line. And each one of us who's here has the opportunity to be a healer for our own lineage. And so in the work that I do, I don't go into trance and bring through messages from people's ancestors. What I do is I actually guide people to create their own authentic, embodied, heartfelt, prayer-felt connection to their own ancestors and to their own line, where then that person becomes the healer. They essentially open into a form of their own mediumship. And as we've learned, mediumship isn't only, you know, talking to dead people. It's actually feeling what are the intuitive feelings that are living in your body? What's living in each cell? What's alive in your nervous system that may have been passed down to you? Trauma through your line. What's the wisdom of your ancestors? What are the gifts that your ancestors hold? And also opening up clairvoyance, clairaudience all of the clairs to allow ourselves to become mediums of healing for our own lineages. And so that's a lot of the work that I do is helping people to connect to their lines, to really study their lines, not only in the information that they have, but very, very much in the intuitive knowing and feeling and emotional waves that feel tied to your lineage, even if they don't make sense to your mind and using those as a thread to dive deeper and explore. So we can get more into that later. Yeah, I just want to. I just want to say thanks for making that distinction. That's really great that you're a guide to us healing our own trauma and our own ancestry. And you know, I think um, one of the things for for me, like I think about all this stuff, and I'm like, you know, this part of me that like my inner cynic is just like, what are you talking about, dude? And so I just want to address <laughs> that voice in myself, uh, um. Because, like, I mean, look, we don't know what's going on here on this planet. We're a bunch of atoms floating around, and it seems very peculiar for sure. There's no doubt about it. We know for a fact that we have ancestors. We know for a fact that we come from somewhere else. And 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 I think what you're pointing to that's so beautiful is, like, really asking yourself, does this feel right for me? That's kind of what I'm what I'm gleaning from from what you're sharing. So the part of me that's like, that's a bunch of crap. Nah. You know, it's no, it's it's. <laughs> there's no denying that we are we have ancestry and that we go back as far as humanity goes back and further probably and also like the yeah. work that you're doing is really like also checking in with with yourself so i really want to yes uh, thank you for making that distinction because that makes it way more clear what you're doing like i'm in charge of whatever experience i am gaining from doing the work that you do the work that we do together 
So that's really great. Thanks for making that distinction. And for me, it just feels infinitely more empowering for someone to have their own embodied experience of connection to their own lineage rather than someone telling you, oh, your great grandmother is telling me this message for you, or oh, I'm intuiting that this happened in your lineage. When it's coming from outside of you, it can have an impact, but that's actually not one of my gifts. I'm not someone who can just feel into what's happened in your lineage. My, I guess, gift, if I were to call it a gift, although it's just an ability that I believe we all have, is to be able to guide each one of us into what feels real and true and authentic for you. And it's not something that can be created through the stories of the mind. Our mind can help us to study, to look, to ask questions about what we see, but it's really what's felt and experienced through the body. And then once we have our own direct relationship and connection to our ancestors, then it's limitless. Like you can go forever deeper on your own. You don't need someone outside of you telling you something about your lineage. You have direct access. Yeah, that's great. That's really great. And I know for me, I find that my mind mostly just gets in the way. (laughs) Uh, um, You know, like, again, going back to sort of the cynic, etc. Like it's not I think it's what's so beautiful about that is like you're saying, hey, you have your own experience. Don't listen to me telling you that, you know, grandma said uh, X, Y and Z. You know, it's really like, what are you feeling inside your own body and what feels right to you? Um, That's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And do you want to hear the story? I would love to hear it. Give me the give me the origin story of Tori Feldman becoming an ancestral healing guide. Thank you. Tori's story. Yeah, Tory story. So <laughs> for me, I grew up Jewish. My dad is 100% Ashkenazi Jewish on a DNA test. And so I grew up with the Jewish religion, but I grew up in kind of this LA version of Judaism that wasn't very connected to the spirituality. And by not very, I mean not at all. I didn't know the word spirituality. And I went to Hebrew school for five years. I learned how to read and write in Hebrew, but I didn't understand what a word of it meant. They taught us how to read it and pronounce it and sing it, but we didn't understand a word. And I always had this deep love. There was something in the language, in the symbols. I would stay in during recess and transcribe the Siddur, the prayer book, into my little notebook as fast as I possibly could. There was this scribe energy and this curiosity in me, and I wanted to learn more. And I remember my parents telling me, you get bat mitzvah because you get bat mitzvah. You do it to make your grandpa proud. It's just what we do. But I was always asking those questions of why? Like, what are these words I'm saying? Do you really expect me to get up on this, this bima in front of hundreds of people and speak words to a God that I don't even know anything about? And I don't even know the words that I'm speaking. Like, what is this? And so I went through. And this is when you're like 12, right? You're like 12 years old at this time during the bat mitzvah time. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's beautiful. I love Tori, the little, little seeker. (laughs) She was, I always have been. And so I went through this like rebellion where I, after getting bat mitzvah, went very anti-religion and anti-society and like really went the other direction. But One thing remained constant through my childhood, through my teenage years, through my entire life, which was I've been very, very, very blessed and very privileged to have parents who love to travel. And we would go on trips together. And wherever we went, I would always say, take me to the ruins. 
And this was coming from a family that, you know, was your typical family that didn't have any kind of spiritual connection in the household. And I just felt something when I was at sacred sites. I felt something that I wanted a connection to. And I still didn't have words for it. But wherever we went, I would say, take me to the ruins. And I would get right up next to the tour guide and ask as many questions as I possibly could of what were their ceremonies like? What were their beliefs about the afterlife? What was life like for these people? What does this hieroglyph mean? Or what does, what, why is everything like this here with these rocks and these stones? And how did they cut them? And just this infinite curiosity opened within me. And so when it was time for me to go to college, I studied cultural anthropology and I specified my studies on indigenous rights and indigenous peoples. And Amazing. I absolutely loved the school that I went to. I took a class called shamanism. I took a class called Taoism. I took a class called the nine tribes of Oregon taught by a native woman where we visited reservations as a part of the class. I took a class called anthropology of indigenous peoples, human rights and the environment. And I was infused with this is a path of study. I get to study this. But what was actually happening beneath the surface of all of that was I started generating the belief that indigenous cultures hold all of the wisdom of this planet. And in right. order for me to tap into that wisdom, I need to go through indigenous lineages. And inherently in that belief was the wisdom exists out there in them, but it doesn't exist in me, a white Jewish woman from LA who did not grow up with this. And so after graduating from college, I went and lived and volunteered on a reservation here in the U.S. in Arizona for a year. It was the Tono Autumn Reservation. And I didn't volunteer through a program. I had a Native friend, Victor Garcia, who became my best friend and we worked on projects together. So we worked with going to Stohaki, which is the White House with Native elders and proposing different days to bring cultural awareness back into the children and into the people. And we also worked on a native language class for the Hiachid Autumn dialect, which was on the verge of extinction. And after a year of working with Victor, trying to get the youth involved, really trying to get the youth to go to the elders and go to the culture so that the elders could pass down the ceremonies and the language and the rituals and everything else that's a part of this culture, we realized we were sitting on top of this mountain on the reservation, this sacred mountain of Victor's people. And we realized that it just, it wasn't happening. After a year, the youth weren't showing up. The language class was free at the library. It was just elders showing up to talk in the language that was a part of their childhood. And I was sitting up on this mountain crying and telling Victor, Victor, I hope and I pray with all of my heart that your people never know how it feels to be disconnected from that ancient wisdom. I hope you never feel the shame and the guilt and really being lost, being without roots not having this ancient wisdom that you can connect to. And I was telling him what a gift it is that his people are still in direct connection to that. And something clicked for me and I realized I'm a white Jewish woman 
sitting up on this mountain with my friend on his native homeland. And I am that youth that's not going to my elders, that's not turning toward my lineage and my ancestors, because somewhere down the line, my people had that sense of connection. They had those ceremonies. They had that deep connection to the earth. They have these ancient ways and this ancient wisdom, but we lost it. Just like Victor's people were on the verge of losing it. And so I realized instead of pointing my finger and saying, all the wisdom that we need lives out there in these indigenous cultures, I had to point that finger back in myself and say, it lives in me too. And I have to go find it and I have to go reclaim it. And in order for me to even show up in a good way by helping these native people, I need to know my own roots. I can't be coming from my own wound of separation. I can't be coming from a white savior complex. I need to deeply dive into my own ancestry for my own healing, for my own ancestors, for future generations, and so I can actually be of service on this planet from a good place, from a place that's more healed and more whole. So that began my journey. This was about nine, ten years ago now. And that was just the beginning, but that's what guided me on this path to begin to dive into this work. Thanks for sharing all of that. I really appreciate so much in what you're saying for myself as well. You know, I think, you know, ancestry wasn't cool for a long time and then now it's sort of becoming more cool, which is exactly how it, how it ought to be. I think, you know, that it's interesting. I, I listened to you talking about the, the youth and that they weren't into it. They weren't going to the classes. Because and that's that's like kind of the 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 epitome of gentrification, right? That we've like really washed them out of even wanting to know what was going on before because we've convinced them that, you know, whatever, you know, heavy metal yeah, and metal it's music trauma. and Yeah. And so so then right. And so now I think what I feel personally is like we are so lost that we're actually starting to go back and think, well, wait, what, where are my ancestral roots? And like, what does that mean? And how do I get more connected to the earth? And how do I get connected to the people in my own lineage that were connected to the earth? Because I, I just interviewed a, um, a woman, Shelly Covert from the Nisanon people, who's the tribe, that's the tribe that was up here. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the things we chatted about is like, well, it's not just her people, it's all people that had a ritualistic spiritual connection to the earth and the Celts, you know, in, in my lineage, I'm Scottish and English, right? There's for sure there's some tribal lineage back there and some medicine men that were back there before, uh, you know, empire came and claimed Christianity and conquered people and forbade them from doing any of their ancient ritualistic practices that were really geared towards connecting us much more deeply to our, our spiritual core and to our own God. And so for me, it really resonates a lot to hear your story because I feel like it's a very similar story that I'm on is like asking myself, well, how do I connect deeper to my ancestral lineage and, and the roots that had us be living in harmony with the earth? Because for sure, that was part of our history, along with the rest of it. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and really. also recognizing these cycles of trauma, like 
you were saying somewhere deep down in your lineage, there were medicine people. Yeah. There were people who had that deep sense of connection. And then, you know, colonization, war, trauma, famine, separation of all different kinds happened. And when those wounds happen to an entire mass of people like it did in Europe, the witch trials, the plague, the wars that went on for sometimes a hundred years, all the Holocaust, exactly all of those traumas. And then those people come over to the so-called new world and repeat those cycles. Right. And something that I recommend for all of you listeners, if you haven't looked into it already, Lila June Johnston is an incredible woman. She's of Diné ancestry and Scandinavian as well. And Diné is also known as Navajo. And she went on a very, very, very deep journey that she wrote an essay about, that she's shared about, where she was raised in Diné culture and was kind of taught that any ancestors who were European, any ancestors who were white, like those were colonizers and you don't connect to them, and that those ancestors were all bad. And she went on a very deep journey of reclaiming the sacred indigenous roots of her European ancestors and what she calls the great sacred motherland of Europe. Beautiful. And for her to reclaim those sacred ways and sitting in, you know, her own sweat lodges, hearing the voices and the songs of her Scandinavian ancestors, realizing that they aren't very different from the Diné. Right. Realizing that there has been so much trauma that has caused these cycles to repeat but that doesn't mean that all those ancestors were bad, right? And so it's a matter of connecting wow. to those ancient ones to remember them and then to very consciously reweave that thread of love, that thread of connection back through our lineages. And that doesn't mean that we bypass all of the hurt and all of the trauma and the atrocities that have happened. It's including that awareness of that love in order to help heal those ancestors who were repeating cycles of trauma, like the saying that hurt people hurt people. So we can become healers in our own lineages and our own lines. Beautiful. That's beautiful. We'll definitely include a link to that essay uh, in in the show notes here. So check it out. I mean, there's that there's down the line of God only knows what's actually happening here. But clearly we're kind of fucking it up right now. Know what I mean? Um, down that line, there's no question that we are connected to our ancestors. I mean, there's there's genetic proof now that you, that, you know, 14 generations exist in our bodies. Right. So that goes back. That's a long time. Hundreds of years. Um, and then past that, obviously, the seed of humanity continues to go back to, uh, you know, monkeys or whoever came before us and then back even further that than that to the amoeba and the, that, you know, started it all off. Right. So there's a, there's a, a, a commonality and understanding that we are all related. And so for them, from that perspective, that deep understanding that we are all related and that there's no doubt about it, then there's no pride or like, you know, you mentioned kind of the white savior thing, which I think is sort of the danger of of going down this work. And and one could even say that the white savior thing, you know, maybe that concept or idea embedded in church and embedded in empire and a religion 
is what led to so many of the atrocities that occurred, including the the destruction of of our own indigenous ancestors and and no doubt about it, uh, so many other peoples uh, across the globe and certainly the Native American population here in the United States. That was an excuse. Well, they're not Christian. You should murder them. You know what I mean. So that there's there's that fallacy, right? That's a big fat fallacy that white savior bullshit. So. What you and I are talking about is like, humbly, we are all related. There's no doubt about it. Humbly, here we are. Like Martin Luther King talks about that so eloquently, you know, saying that we're all inextricably intertwined and, you know, whatever I do must affect you in some way. I'm paraphrasing here, but so I think that's really beautiful that that's kind of what you're opening and, 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 and your job I'm, I'm taking it is to like help people guide people through getting to their own roots and having their own experience, even if it's just like a meditation and it's like something that's coming up for you. Like it's something that's beneficial. Like you might take me through a process, right? And then there's part of me that's like, well, I might just be making that all up because it's going to make me feel good. You know, true. That's true. But guess what? In the end, I feel good. (laughs) (laughs) And the quality of my life is enhanced, right? Yeah. It's, it's complicated. There's, there's actually two things that I want to share in response to this. One is kind of building on what you shared around we're all related. And I, I want to make it clear that in my work and in the work of ancestral healing, it's really important to, first of all, understand, yes, we're all related, but not to use that as like a spiritual new agey bypass yeah. to kind of cover up the uncomfortability of how we all come from different lineages, different cultures, different backgrounds. And what I found, one of the deep things that I found is through, you know, diving into indigenous lineages and working with indigenous people, that there is a tendency for cultural appropriation that a lot of us tend to go into when we feel a starvation of our own ancestral wisdom and our own ancestral culture. Hmm. We then feel like we need to tap into another culture in order to receive that culture's version of it. Then a lot of people get stuck there and they don't return back to their own roots. And so while we are all related and while we are all one, it's also really important to ground ourselves into my lineage is my lineage. And I was born into my lineage for a reason. And to dive deeper into that beneath the fears, because a lot of us do have fears of how do I connect with ancestors? And there's so much pain, there's so much grief, there's so much rage, there's so much trauma. How can I possibly get through those layers to tap into the beauty, to get to the beauty? So for a lot of people, there's a lot of fear. But to understand that through this journey of diving deep into your own lineage, you find you were born into your specific lineage for a reason. You're a soul that's on a greater journey than just this one lifetime. It's not like your soul was born the moment you were born and your soul dies the moment you die. You're a part of a much bigger story on the, the evolutionary journey of your soul. And so looking at it from that perspective, why did your soul choose to incarnate in this life into the specific lineage that you were in? And what does this specific lineage you were in What medicine does that lineage have for your soul and for the codes or the teachings or the wisdom that you were meant to receive from the gifts of those ancient ancestors that's flowing through you? So seeing your lineage as an actual curriculum that your soul chose in this lifetime. And then there's the other layer of what's the curriculum of this specific family unit? What are your past life connections with your mother, with your father, with your brother, with your sister, with your grandmother? 
And how are these relationships actually divinely orchestrated and articulated, not only by the divine, but also by ourselves on a soul level and by our guides and by the legacy weavers in our lineage who are ancestors who actually work and help decide who's going to incarnate into the lineage next. So seeing from a greater perspective that you were born into your lineage for a reason, there's a specific medicine that you were meant to receive from your lineage on a soul level that's actually going to be a part of your soul's greater journey of evolution, and that there's an exchange between your soul and your lineage. So just the same way that your lineage has medicine for your soul, your soul came into your lineage to bring a certain medicine into your lineage. And the fact that those of you here are listening to this message right now, like this is literally the ancestors sent you here, like something sent you here to remember your soul has specific purpose in your lineage. And to just run away from your own ancestry, to run away from your own lineage is to miss out on this very important exchange. And this is an opportunity of a lifetime. You have this one life where you were born into this one lineage that's meant to unlock certain codes of remembrance and healing, a certain lesson or many lessons that you're meant to receive as a soul on your greater journey of evolution beyond this lifetime. And also it's your opportunity to bring your light, your soul's gifts, your soul's healing, your soul's medicine into your lineage. So for those of us who have a tendency to look towards other cultures and not dive into our own, just want to highlight there that there's something huge that you're missing. It's an opportunity of a lifetime and it doesn't need to be scary. A lot of us feel those layers of fears, but it doesn't need to be scary. It can be the most incredible, cosmic, wild, spiritual journey of a lifetime. So I'm here to reflect that all to you. And then to address your second point, Jeff, when you were sharing, you know, some of us go into this work and are we making it up? Like I experienced something in a meditation, but was it actually real? It doesn't really matter because I feel good at the end. So there's, there's so much on that topic. <laughs> a lot of the work that I do is helping people to connect to a healed ancestral guide in their lineage. And through connecting to that healed ancestral guide, and we do a whole process of ancestral protection and visualization with a golden sphere, we travel back to the time that a core wound happened in your lineage that's related to whatever intention you set for the session or for the meditation. So let's say that that core um, wound that you're wanting to work on that you see in yourself that you feel in your lineage is unworthiness. Maybe, for example, I work with women very often. Maybe you're a woman who has a difficult time speaking your truth, being seen, shining in your light. You feel this kind of like you need to hide, you need to change yourself, you need to wear this mask in order to be accepted. And you're wanting to break out of that and really free yourself. But you see that this pattern has lived in your mother. You see that this pattern lived in your grandmother, where they felt that they had to silence themselves or be smaller, take up less space, be more quiet in order to be accepted. And so by working with this core wound and setting the intention to heal that core wound of unworthiness, we call in an ancestral guide that is perfectly divinely meant for this one session. The truth is that we have many, 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 many healed ancestral guides, because when you look at ancestral mathematics, like you were talking about, we have thousands, tens of thousands, millions of ancestors. So somewhere down the line, there were many healed ancestors. These are the medicine men and medicine women. These are the wise grandmothers. These are the hearth keepers. These are the people who knew how to work with the medicines of the earth. These are spiritual leaders. These are warriors and hunters. Like the list goes on and on of the many, many, many different kinds of healed ancestors we can have. So we call in a very specific 
healed ancestral guide for this session and one steps forth that's most meant to guide you on this particular journey in this session. And then together we travel back to the time that a core wound happened in your lineage, which is when we meet ancestors who experience that core trauma. We get to see and feel the story that's been living in your lineage sometimes thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. So it actually doesn't matter if you consciously know the full story of your lineage, even if you were adopted and you don't know anything about your blood lineage, we travel back to that ancient time together and we facilitate a healing with those ancestors. So then when we come back and we integrate the work, it's an entire process. It's called the mythic memory method. It's my own process that was channeled through. When we come back, a lot of people are, they have tears streaming down their face and it felt so real to them. And they ask, was any of that real? How do I know that that was real? Right? Yeah. What do and you say? Throughout the session, throughout the session, I'm, I'm not feeding them like suggestive things. I'm essentially saying, and what's arising for you now? Okay. And what are you noticing here? And the person is just describing what they're seeing, what they're feeling. They, they feel emotions. They see ancestors. They see colors. They see specific symbols. They see stories. Like it's all coming through their body and tears and emotions. And they come back and they say, how do I know that that was real? And there's a lot I could say on this, but long story short, it's what you said. Does it feel real to you? Yeah. And that, you know, there's a lot of things we could say about excited imagination and all of this. Like, was it really an ancestor spirit? Was it an actual spirit who came to visit you? Or was it the memory of an ancestor? that somehow stored in your genes and your cells that, that came. And no matter whether it was a memory, no matter what it, whether it was an actual spirit visitation or whatever it was, if it was embodied and it, it led to emotional release, it led to a healing within you, that yeah. healing is what's real. Right. Oh, it's so beautiful. That's really so beautiful. Thank you for articulating it that way, because I think so much in our society, you know, we're so attached to this idea that we're separate. I mean, that's really kind of what what's got us in this problem in the first place, right? Yes. <laughs> Is that we are separate from nature and that we should have dominion over it, right? And and so then what you're addressing is like, you're addressing, I think, the core, like for, for me and what I was trying to express, and I think what you're, what people who work with you are also trying to express is like, how do I know this is real? This could be complete bogus. And, and that's not the point. It's not the point. We're not reaching for truth here in, in working with ancestry is what I'm understanding. Like we're reaching for something that's going to be healing for us and something that's going to move energy through so that we in, in our, our time here now can, can experience life and in a way that is more complete, more vibrant, more full, more alive, and also that addresses some of the wounds that not only we've had for ourselves, but that resonate back through centuries of our own lineage. I think that for me, because truth is a very high value, it's interesting because truth in what we experience in our healing work, whatever is true for us on that level of somatic release, emotional release is true. And oftentimes our ancestors communicate to us in many different ways. So each of us has different kinds of ways that our ancestors speak to us that are unique to us. And so in my work, a part of the process is we're opening up your clairvoyance, your inner sight, your clear audience, your inner hearing, your clear salience, your clear, clear smelling and taste and your intuition and your clear sentience and your clear cognizance. 
and opening to notice how your specific ancestors communicate with you in this moment. And it might be different tomorrow. It might be different in 10 minutes, but really being present with what's alive here and trying not to make anything up. Even if it's just the slightest tingling in your hands, even if you don't see ancestors, even if you don't like channel the entire remembrance of the story, being very, very open and perceptive, even to the most subtle sensation and giving thanks and being appreciative for even that most subtle sensation. And a lot of what I've noticed on this topic of truth is our ancestors can sometimes communicate with us in a way that we are open and receptive to receiving their messages. And so, for instance, let's say that your lineage went through something that for some reason is being translated through as you seeing this um, entire scene in ancient Egypt. And you're like, why my ancestors aren't Egyptian? Why am I seeing everything in ancient Egypt? And there are two directions that that could go, one of which being soul lineage and spiritual lineage, which is actually a part of my work. I work with the blood lineage as well as soul lineage. But another is that maybe your ancestors are giving you this vision of ancient Egypt because that's the setting that you need to see in order to understand a certain energetic that your ancestors held. That maybe if you saw them living in, you know, a dirt floor, mud hut on the side of a river a couple thousand years ago, you would miss out on that the energies that they were working with were as high and as elevated as what you see ancient Egypt as. And so even if our ancestors communicate to us in a way that we're like, that wasn't truth, like my ancestors are, weren't Egyptian, what we're tapping into is the true essence of the message and the energy of what they're trying to deliver and communicate to us. So I think the truth is more so around what we feel and what the actual wisdom is that we receive rather than what are the things that we see that are the method of communication that the message comes through in. You know, for sure, there is a there's a common misunderstanding that we are uh, unable or unable to connect with those energies. We're unable to connect with the spirit of our ancestors and the knowledge that we have in our bodies about who we are and how we connect to nature and how we connect to God. And I think that's something that people, myself included, are so yearning for, you know, that's why I do ceremonial work. That's why I meditate in the morning. That's, that's why I contemplate things and have these kind of discussions is so I can delve deeper into the powers that I know are there within me, but have been dormant for so long because of the culture that I live in that has been, I mean, really <laughs> dominating and repressive uh, without question. I mean, that's Unfortunately, Christianity, I feel like, uh, you know, uh, I grew up Christian, so go, go Jesus. But I was very non, you know, I was very uh, non-exclusive Christianity, which is that's my brand of Christianity. You know, it's however you get to your sense of God, go for it sort of thing. But overall, it's been Christianity has been very much used to to dominate cultures and uh, and repress people and have us feel guilt and shame, which don't allow us to feel our own like true emotions and move through processes that we need to pr process because guilt and shame are so naturally obsessive in their nature that they don't allow you to, to experience, experience life in a way that's going to be releasing and emotive, which is, I mean, that's the work that you're doing is untangling that disgusting knot of a web of nastiness which I think is so, so beautiful. Um, 
on the repressive note, and this is something that you mentioned I'd like to delve a little deeper into is, is, you know, obviously you work with a lot of women. You are one, as far as I could tell. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of women. Uh, I came out of one. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I definitely did. It's we no have that in common. It. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You, me, and everybody else. <laughs> yes. And something that you touched on that I that I I often talk about on this on this program because I think it's so so critically important is like uh, the the collective wounding of women and also not being able to speak your truth and feeling like you can't speak your truth and I mean it's even. Even I'm a man. And so like I catch myself, you know, I was listening to, I did a podcast with my wife and a buddy of mine was like, yeah, it sounds like you're, you're, there's a little mansplaining in there. You're doing a little mansplaining buddy. And I was like, wait, what am I? And I, then I listened back and I was like, okay, yeah, that could be interpreted a little mansplanation, you know, um, it's so indoctrinated in our culture to, to this idea that, you know, men are the voice and we are the active ones and that we should be doing things. And, you know, so it's like, I think it's challenging for, for all of us to really respect the feminine and, and acknowledge that there's been this suppressive voice of women that we as men have been complicit in, in some capacity or either, either complicit in or predatorial in, you know, for generations. And, so and, and I know um, I, I, I like there's no doubt in history it's so important for the feminine to rise. The feminine is the voice of the connection. The feminine is the womb that birthed us going back and back and back. So I really want to appreciate that and acknowledge that, uh, you know, this embracing and embodying of our, our of the divine feminine and the divine masculine. And I know that that's a lot of the work that you do, um, I just wonder if you could speak to the importance of what the work that you do in and how it relates to allowing women to be in their true voice and speak from their true power. Oh my gosh, this is like an infinite topic. (laughs) One of my most favorites. So I, before I officially started Sacred Ancestry, I was a facilitator of women's circles for years. I worked in an organization called Global Sisterhood and hosted so, 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 so many women's circles and absolutely loved this work and worked with women's spirituality for a while before I got into ancestry specifically. And in all of the work that I've seen, a lot of the healing work that women have is around their voice and the voice is deeply connected to the womb. And I like to work with the womb space rather than just the womb. So a lot of people see the womb as the uterus, as as an organ. However, the womb space is a sacred energetic center that all women have, even if they don't have a womb, even if they don't have a uterus, even if they don't have the physical organ. So whether you were assigned female at birth or not, or whether you've had a hysterectomy or not, all women have this sacred feminine energetic center of the womb space. And when you look at just the, the picture of the vocal cords, it looks so much like the yoni, like the vagina, like the entire female reproductive system, huh. something that you can Google if you're interested, but literally almost exactly the same. And the, the womb is the center of creation. 
the womb space is what so many ancient cultures and poets have pointed to as the center of creation. And, you know, that's on the actual physical level for the womb of birthing babies into creation. But also when you tap into the creative energy of the womb space, it is she who births and brings forth the world of spirit into matter. She is the the central focus of creative life force energy in a woman. And the same is true for our voices. So many people have said, you know, words create reality. And in the beginning, there was the sound of Om, right? Mm -hmm. The the universe all created. It was God's word that birthed forth all of creation. Right. And when it comes to women, specifically with ancestral healing, our traumas of the women in our lineages are very, very, very often concentrated and stored in the womb space. And the womb space is a place that also holds the collective feminine rage and collective feminine grief. And many of the wounds that are not only living in our lineages, but in the feminine collective. And this is often on a physical level for some women in different kinds of ailments that can happen and things that can happen with our actual physicality of our reproductive system. And this is also on the energetic level. And so if on an energetic level, like you were saying, there's this like tangling of, you know, all of the ickiness that's happened, if that that tangling is happening energetically in our womb space and in our throats, then it's going to prevent us women from being clear channels to birth through what the divine wants to birth through us into this world. And so a lot of the work that I do is not only around ancestral healing, but also around how to clear ourselves as a clear channel to connect deeply to the earth and deeply to the divine to actually allow something bigger and greater to work through us to, this is a little cliche, but to birth a new paradigm, like truly, how can we be a good ancestor? How can we currently create what future generations will see as mythic times? We are walking with this incredible opportunity to clear ourselves and open ourselves humbly as vessels to be worked through by our guides, by our ancient wise ancestors, and also being informed by the future generations who are wanting to work through us, who are praying for us and and thanking us already for the work that we are to do here in this life. And so with women, with the womb space, there's a deep connection with the womb space and with the bloodlines because of the womb and the blood and the bloodlines and lineages that flow through us. And there's also a deep connection with the womb space and water and the sacred waters. So uh, in a lot of my work, I'm also a water priestess and a bee priestess. And there's infinite things. This is actually a huge, I'm sharing with you a lot of what I teach in The Honeyed Womb. It's my course that's specifically for women and ancestral healing. So in The Honeyed Womb, we have a module that's all around the water priestess arts. And when scientists go looking for life on other planets, they look for water. And the story of evolution is that all life on this earth, as we know it, came from the water, came from the ocean. And when you look at even, like you said, the ancient ancestor of the amoeba, like our cells are 99% water on a molecular level. And so there's all of that. And then there's, we actually come into waters of the womb when we are first born. And so water then from an esoteric and spiritual perspective can be seen as the medium that allows spirits that are not in form to be incarnated into form. 
So if scientists look for water on other planets, that water is a conduit for spirits to come into life, into physical, tangible form. And the same is true for the womb space for women. And this is not only just about the birthing of babies, of translating the spirit of a baby into an actual physical baby that you can hold. This is also the, the waters of the womb and the waters of our bloodlines when cleared, when sanctified, when healed and brought into deeper alignment with using our bodies as channels become the conduit for the prayers of the ancestors, the prayers of future generations and our own prayers to manifest in birth here into reality. So that's just a little bit of the connection with the womb and the voice and the power of creation. Just, just a little bit. I could bit. talk forever. Just a, just a giant iceberg. Uh, <laughs> that's really amazing. I mean, that's really, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated about all that. Um, and the relationship to water and the womb space and it, the amniotic fluid. And uh, there's so many fascinating parallels between the ocean and the water of the ocean and the water yes. of the womb and how they're very similar in so many ways. And, you know, you're really delving into a lot of the mystery here. I'm not a woman, so I can't take that course, but I wish that I could. <laughs> um, and I would encourage and all of my female friends to, to, to embark on on that kind of study because I think it sounds amazing. If you're enjoying this program, if you love Lunacy, please consider becoming part of our team. Go to patreon.com backslash lunacy podcast to become a member of our team. You can choose a number of different levels to support us on a monthly basis so that we can continue the work of exploring the love operating system, how best to be of service, and how to live life to the fullest. Thank you so much for your support. Much love, everybody. Something that I also want to chat about with you, which I often talk about on this program, is is being a victim. This yes. is a, a little bit of a you know uh, we're we're taking a turn here, but I think it's all all in line because um, I am a, an avid proponent of of not being a, a victim of living from love, of adopting a, a, I talk a lot about a love operating system, you know, asking how do I love more in this life? How do I give more love? How do I serve more? Uh, how do I receive more love, et cetera? And, and critical to that whole process is, is, is consciously abandoning the right to be a victim. Uh, like I have to consciously abandon the right to be a victim. And yet, you know, what, so much of what you're talking about, particularly for women, it's like, there you actually are a victim um without question of sexual trauma of ancestral trauma sexually etc you know of, of just not respecting and understanding hey this is the way that we came into the world we ought to really treat it with honor and respect and etc i mean hormones and the whole ball of wax that is the confounding way that we relate to sex in our culture or, or lack of relation to sex really is what it is. Um, but you know, a lot of the work that you do is like bringing up, Hey, I, I'm, I'm actively trying to look at the wounding that I have in my lineage and in myself around, uh, traumatic events. So I wonder how is it that you coach people to, you know, experience, those traumas, um, whether they be personal or whether they be ancestral and also emote, grieve them and heal, but 
but then also not fall into, uh, you know, the victim paradigm where I'm a victim and I'm not responsible and I, they are my persecutor and over here's my rescuer. You know, how do you, um, how do you do this work without falling into that fat trap? Yeah. Such an important, important question, Jeff. Thank you. So when we are beginning our journey of ancestral healing work, and like you said, for some of us who like not just ancestral work aside, who have experienced trauma in this life at the hands of an aggressor. So there is a point on our journey after something happens where we are told that we are a victim and where we actually need to see ourselves that way in order to access the feelings, the emotions, the anger and the rage, especially that allow us to eventually move from that victim mentality into empowerment. And so the, the word victim and, and identifying as a victim for some people is an important step that helps them then be able to let it go. But to bypass over that is oftentimes to bypass over all of the feelings that come along with the you know, atrocity that just happened. So I really want to honor that for some people, they are identifying as a victim from a place of this is actually what's real for me currently in my process. And I know that I can and will eventually shift over to empowerment, but I'm just being real with what's alive in me right now. So an honoring of that period of time for certain people on their path. And like I mentioned with the the anger and the rage, allowing ourselves to have a period of time where we feel all of those feelings. Our anger is actually one of the most important emotions that can help propel us from victim into a place of deeper empowerment because our anger has a lot to do with our boundaries, with our unspoken truths, and with pushing against what has happened by saying, I am more than this. I am more than this. Yeah. So in that transition from victim into empowerment, it's also realizing that When you call yourself a victim, what you're doing is you're pointing your finger at someone and blaming them and saying they are responsible for the way that I'm feeling. They're responsible. Look what they did to me. Look at the impact that that person had on my life. And I'm stuck here because of them. And understanding that when you point your finger at another and blame, which like I'm saying, it's not like everyone can just walk free, right? There are people who need to be held responsible for that. But when we stay in that position, when we stay in this victimization and blame, what we're doing is we're actually giving our power away to that person. When you see that, you're saying they're responsible for me. They hold power over me. And so when we shift out of victim and into empowerment, what we're doing is we're reclaiming that power and we're saying what that person has done or what has happened in my lineage or what has happened to the collective of women. I'm choosing to step into my power through my sovereignty and through my responsibility to do my healing work. And this is an entire process that's very connected to past life healing, ancestral healing, healing in the collective. It's both personal and collective. What we are doing on that path is there are many different steps, but one of them ultimately that's difficult for a lot of people is forgiveness and understanding on, this is actually from the book in the domain of mediumship by Chico Xavier uh, from the spiritist doctrine is that the spirits, the people, the beings who have done the most atrocious things are actually the ones who are suffering the most. Yeah. That does not make what they did. Okay. Right. But what it does mean is 
when we tap into our own healing and understand that we're not just here for our own healing, that our healing heals our lineage, that our liberation impacts the liberation of all beings, what we're doing then is we're, we're tapping into the purest heart of our prayer that's no longer a prayer that's not selfish, but that's self-centered. It's no longer a prayer just for ourselves, but our prayer for our own liberation becomes a prayer for the liberation of all beings. And this is where it gets really difficult for some people to hear. And I understand if this is challenging or triggering for some people and it's okay, it's a process to get there. And I'm not saying I'm perfect or I'm not saying you need to be there tomorrow. But when we are able to pray for our own liberation and the liberation of all beings. Right now, you need to be healed right now. (laughs) The liberation of all beings includes the people who hurt us. Right. The liberation of all beings includes our ancestors, you know, including abusive ancestors who you may have suffered at the hands of in childhood. The liberation of all beings includes beings who have done horrific things. It includes Hitler, right? It includes his soul. And so this is difficult, but when we're shifting from victim to empowered, it's actually shifting our perspective into I hold the power of my own healing and through my liberation, through my compassion, through my forgiveness, through my prayer, through my life as an offering, through living from my heart, from a place of grace and understanding, not by bypassing the emotions, but by going through those processes to get to that place, then we're no longer just in empowerment for ourselves. We're praying for the empowerment of all. And so I don't see the journey from victim to empowerment as just being a personal one. I see it as one that can also be applied to the collective. And that's also very deeply linked to our lineages. And this is some of the hardest work for some people is saying, there's no way that I want to pray for the liberation of my grandfather who abused me when I was a child. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's okay if we're not there once again, but I just want to share that the, the process, it's a collective one yeah. to, for humanity to move from victimization, which actually when you point your finger at another person that keeps you karmically hooked, that keeps old wounds repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating and cycling through our planet and cycling through generations and cycling through eons on our planet. Rather than pointing that finger back and saying, I'm here to liberate myself and my, my liberation impact the liberation of all beings, the cycle of suffering ends with me. And this cycle of suffering isn't just about me. It's about all of humanity and all of creation. And I'm here for the elevation and upliftment of all. So yeah, long story short, it's, it's a personal and it's a collective journey and it takes the time that it takes. And it is also deeply tied not only to our own evolution spiritually, but to the evolution of humanity on our own spiritual trajectory of the journey that we're all on that may take thousands of years as, you know, a species. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, how, how I relate to just to unpack a couple of things for, for myself, for my own perspective, you know, hurt people, hurt people, you know, that whole thing of like those spirits or those those forces that have that are so ingrained in that, like they, they're, they are definitely tied into, um, severe suffering and trauma. And so they need to heal as well. So as challenging as it is to pray for healing for those folks, like that's really what we need to do. Uh, That's so, so beautiful. And I, and I also get how triggering that can be for people as well. And I really want to honor 
your honoring of people who are going through stuff here. You know, like uh, I'm about to get, um, I'm getting some some metal out of my body on Thursday. I'm going to go under the knife. And, you know, it's going to be a couple of weeks of like uh, just recovering, et cetera, from, from that because I will be healing. And so allowing myself to experience the actual physical pain that I'll be having then, uh, uh, you know, that's okay to continue to, for me to feel that, right? But also like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping from physical to metaphorical here, but I think it works. Um, then I can, I'm not a victim of that, even though I'm experiencing that pain, I know that I can't go, you know, do bicep curls or whatever at the gym until my elbow heals. Right. Um, I still am honoring the fact that I, I feel the pain and I'm experiencing the pain and in experiencing the pain and feeling the pain that is physical. But in this case, we're all talking about emotional trauma. Uh, you know, that, that, that pain is also healing and I don't have to delve into, you know, being a victim there. Um, I think that's so critical. I I really love what you said about, you know, when you point the finger and blame other people, you're totally giving away your power. You know, it's so, that's so, that's so, it's, that's so, uh, accurate and beautiful to consider, you know, the, the second that you blame somebody else is the second you give them your power and then pretend like, it's their fault that they took it, even though you have the power and, and how challenging that is. That's a challenging thing to do is to, to recognize that in the blame game, I am literally giving away my power and I'm saying you're right. And also the story that either you created about me or that I'm creating about myself in reaction to the trauma that you have inflicted upon me is right, that I am not worthy that there is something terribly wrong with me and that I don't have power and I should go run and hide. Typically, that's the story that something along those lines is what gets yeah. gets created. So then rising to the place of, wait, okay, oh man, I see how much that hurt. There's a gaping wound there and that's really sad and I, I appreciate that. But also I'm going to just experience that and let that heal and I'm going to reclaim my own power. That is not who I am. That is a lesson that I have learned that I am moving beyond. Um, I won't stand for it and I won't stand for it for others, but also like I'm willing to allow that to heal. It's such a beautiful piece. And then I think just, you know, the forgiveness thing, they say forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. That's so that's so obvious. And I always come back to and it's so beautiful that you addressed it that way. You know, I, I always come back to Viktor Frankl. Uh, you know, man search for meeting and forgiving the Nazis, you know, for being in a concentration camp. I mean, that guy witnessed such incredible atrocities and he really solidly got to a place in his life where he forgave the Nazis. You know, and if you read man search for meaning, it's so clear that like he's a free man. He is not enslaved by that trauma. And I mean, what's particularly interesting about that is like, wow, Here's this trauma that I'm sure uh, affects any Jews that are related to uh, people who who survived the Holocaust and then probably just the whole Jewish sphere in general. And then larger than that, just humanity. Like, how could we possibly do that to other people that we are related to? But particularly for for anybody that's related directly there, uh, you know, here's a guy who literally went through that, experienced all of that, and then forgave that all in the same lifetime and the same sphere. Like what a powerful moving example. And and he was never a victim. In fact, that's how he 
survived. He was like, I'm going to look at myself as an experiment. Can a man survive this kind of torture? I'm going to objectify my whole reality so that I can survive. And that's, he would have died had he not done that on so many levels when you read the book. Um, so I just really want to like honor the work that you're doing. So much of what we're talking about is like actively delving into your own wounding, be it personal and in, in this life or ancestral on some, some level that something happened to your lineage and how important that work is, you know, to, to grieve, right. To really like allow yourself to grieve and, and heal and express. Yeah. I just really want to thank you for that. And everybody who's engaged in that kind of work. Like I really just want to honor everybody's wounds, all of our wounds. And this idea that, you know, I feel that we've entered an age of healing. You know, yes. now is the time that we collectively heal each other, and, uh, ourselves, and our lineages yeah. so that we can come together in a way that's fully related and embrace the power that really is humanity, the love that we have to give. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to add to that because that was so beautifully put. Ah, the, the deep honoring of the wounds that we are all healing. And I want to share as well, one of my core teachings is that beneath every wound lies a gem of healing wisdom. And so when we dive into the healing of our wounds, a core part of that journey of how we transform that wound into actual wisdom, it's not just like, you know, this spiritual saying wounds into wisdom or pain into purpose. It has such deep, deep truth in this. And it can come in many, many different forms. But just to share ancestrally, what this can look like is often when in a session we're traveling back to that time that a core wound happened in a lineage, those ancestors who were unhealed, who were unwell, who went through a trauma, we literally get to see their healing happen. We're interfacing with them as they're healing. We're, we're working on healing them with them. We're having dialogue and conversations. We're seeing their energy shift. We're tapping in at the end and asking, is there anything else I can do for you? Is there anything else you need for your healing until that unhealed ancestor becomes a healed ancestor? And usually what happens is that healed ancestor now healed, previously unhealed, has wisdom or gifts that they now want to share with that descendant, with you. Because as you're meeting this ancient ancestor or hundreds of years ago ancestor, you're introducing yourself to them and saying, I'm your great, 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 great granddaughter. And I, I want to learn from you. I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to feel you. I want to understand you. I want to see what I can do to give to you in service. And then after this healing, asking, what wisdom do you have for me? What messages do you have for me? And sometimes, depending on each person's specific gifts and the way that they perceive their ancestors, sometimes it's literally that person in the session starts channeling through this message. Like they're telling me this and wow. letting them speak directly Amazing. through and giving them specific guidance or specific words that then we hear that huh. helps heal us, that helps integrate this healing back through the lines and into our lives now. And sometimes that gift is given as a transmission of energy from the ancestor to us. That's literally like having beings working on your field, like healed, wise and well ancestors encircling you with their hands on your back, like glowing golden hearts, beaming this like ancient love, this worthiness or whatever it was, the intention you were working on, like unworthiness. They just fill you with this feeling of constantly being supported, 
knowing your worth, filling you with this power and this energy and this humility and this ability to walk forth in a different way. And sometimes that ancestor will actually give you a gift. For those of us who are more visual, they'll see their ancestor revealing a gift and passing it into your hands. Like an object or something? Yes, like an object or like a ball of light, whatever it is. But sometimes it's an object. And sometimes that object is like, let's say it's a feather just to make something up. And sometimes that feather won't mean anything to you in this moment. You just receive the gift, but later it all makes sense because of signs that you see or ways that your ancestors now communicate to you through feathers that remind you of the healing of this session. And the feather drops in your path at the most perfect time where you're like, I needed to remember this message from my ancestors right now. They just reminded me of this healing, reminded me how to step into my power in this specific moment that I'm going through this specific thing with my friend, etc. And sometimes they give us an object and we ask, what does this mean? Or what is the message of this object? Or we take the object and we bring it into our bodies and, and let it become a part of our energetic field, a part of something that we now have in our toolkit or our body's remembrance, and it just signifies an energy. So those are just a few ways that we, you know, not just to focus on the wounds, but also to focus on what are the gifts that we receive hmm. when yeah. we do this healing work. And that's just the little bit, little bit of the ancestral perspective. But just to encourage those of us who are on this journey where it might be hard right now, it might be challenging, it might be confronting because you're diving into your wounds and you're wondering, like, does it ever get lighter? Does it ever get easier? Like, is this actually doing anything? Or you feel like you keep returning back to the same, healing the same thing over and over and over again, that there is wisdom in this process that you are going through. That it's literally what we talked about earlier about why did you incarnate into this specific moment, into this time on our planet, not just into your lineage, but like, why are you here? Why are you like, I love the Hafiz quote, God circled this place on a map for you. Why are you encountering this specific challenge with your boyfriend or with your cousin or with your friend or this, you know, financial situation that you're in? If God circled this place on a map for you. If you and your higher counsel before you were born planned this, articulated this as a part of your divine plan, this truly, and you might hear this a lot, but it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Yeah. So seeing every single thing that happens on your path as an opportunity to become fuel for your empowerment. Yeah. How can you see everything that's happening through the eyes of the divine plan and ask, what has this come to teach me? What is the wisdom that I'm meant to gain from this wound? Or what is the teaching or lesson that I came to gain through this difficult challenge in my life? So I always like to balance conversations on wounds with conversations around gifts and wisdom. And when we do this work to heal our wounds, we open up the channels for more of those gifts to actually flow through. And just as the last piece, because I know this is a long rant here, um, I really like this is something that Dr. Daniel Four has shared. He's shared that your lineages are, if you can imagine like tubes that are coming out of your energetic field or out of your body, like let's imagine four tubes for your four grandparents. And when you're doing ancestral healing work, what you're doing is you're checking in with each one of those tubes and you're seeing if there's gunk, if it's twisted and knotted. And when we do the work to clear the gunk out of these tubes, this is now my interpretation adding on to his. When we do the work to clear those tubes, instead of gunk flowing through into our channel, impacting us consciously or unconsciously from our ancestors, 
instead of that gunk flowing through, we allow pure love and source energy and all the gifts and love and blessings and protection of those ancestors and that lineage to flow through. And so another core part of my message and my work at Sacred Ancestry is at the core, your lineage is love. At the core, your lineage comes from source. And so if you imagine that there's this crystalline core of your lineage, this crystalline core that is source energy, that's untouchable. It cannot be tarnished. But that crystalline core has been surrounded by layers of trauma and gunk and misery and difficulty. So what we're doing through ancestral healing work is we're peeling off those layers of trauma, peeling off all of those layers of hurt to once again reveal the crystalline core. And so when we do this work of healing, it clears the gunk from the tubes and allows that crystalline source energy, which is the truth of love, which is the truth at the core of our lineage. It allows that to flow through. And then it opens up the gifts of your lineage, the wisdom, the clear messages, the protection and the blessings to flow through. So the, the wisdom and the wounds, they go hand in hand and they're articulated in this divine way that's beyond words that we're just like scratching the surface on here with this conversation. It's yeah. really mysterious and it's truly infinite. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's really beautiful. Um, yeah, one of the things that I want to, I love this, I love this image of just like peeling off all of the gunk that's on the outside of the, you know, the crystal there or whatever, the sphere, you know what I mean? The little light inside, you know what I mean? You're just cracking it. <laughs> like a walnut. And then all of a sudden there's this beautiful light inside of it. I love yes. that. I love that imagery. Um, and, uh, and also I just want to point out something that you said that I think was just so powerful um, is, you know, this idea that it's not happening uh, to you. It's happening for you. That's so powerful. And it's really like, it's a place to stand, you know, it's not true. I think so much of what we're talking about also is, is, is just that it's a place to stand. It's not, not because it's like true. If I stand in the place where I look at all of my reality as like happening for me versus to me, then that gives me a lot of power. And it automatically begs the question, what are you trying to teach me? (laughs) What is the lesson here for me? That's, that's going to benefit me moving forward. Um, God, that's so beautiful. Really, so much of uh, everything you said there was really great, is really great and, and valuable. Awesome. Well, we're kind of reaching the end of our, I feel like, our time here. So let me just ask you, is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to have discussed? And then I'm going to ask you my podcast question. Yeah, I want to share for those of you who may be tentative, like you want to stick your toe into the water and see how the waters of ancestral healing are, just to surround you with this energy, this prayer that it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't need to be overwhelming. That this can be some of the most deeply liberating and profoundly healing spiritual work, emotional work that really is just about tapping you in with your inner power, with your deepest gifts to open you to your own divine connection, to unkink your own tubes, to release layers around the crystalline core of your heart. It's not only about your lineage, it's really about your journey as a soul on your soul's greater journey of evolution. So I just want to speak from my heart to you that if this work is calling you, 
explore it, explore it, whether it's with me or on your own, whether it's in ceremony or with a friend, that this can be an incredibly beautiful journey. I'm imagining like this golden road unfolding before you. And I just want to bless you, surround you with all the love and protection of your healed, wise and well ancestors, empowering you to put that little pep in your step. I'm seeing like the little angelic wings on your ankles, lifting you and carrying you on this journey. And to know that you are so divinely supported in ways seen and unseen, known and unknown, and that there are so many beings who are so deeply invested in your healing work and in your ancestral healing work. And on that topic, I want to share as well that the evolution of humanity happens through time, through our lineages. And so never underestimate the importance of you diving into and doing this work. And you can be the healer in your lineage. I have this, this vision and this prayer that instead of there being a go-to healer in every village or on every block, there's a healer in every household. There's a healer in every lineage on earth. And so together, right here, right now, you're a part of this movement of reclaiming the sacredness of our ancestry and in doing this healing work that will ripple out to become a movement that truly touches lineages all over the planet. And this is how our ancient ancestors lived. This is how indigenous peoples still see it and still know it to be is that when we are in deep connection with the ceremonies, the love, the gifts, the songs, the messages of our ancestors, and we pass that on to future generations, we're no longer disconnected from the wisdom that came before us. We see that we don't need to repeat cycles of suffering, that we can allow the wisdom to flow through for the evolution of humanity and for the healing of our planet. So just wanting to honor you so, so deeply for being that divine descendant of sacred ancestry and remembering and reclaiming all of the gifts and the beauty and the magic that live in you and in your lineage. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I feel that. We have the power. We have yeah. the power to change things on this planet. 100%. And it starts with us. And we have the power and to heal ourselves, and we have the power to heal each other, and, and it's that power that's really going to make the change that we need to see on this planet to make the more beautiful world that we know is possible real to make uh, harmony with each other and the planet uh, a reality, uh, not just some pipe dream to, you know, to, to move beyond and outside of all of the greed and scarcity that our society has and all the taking advantage of other people and that whole, all that bullshit and realizing that we are really truly related. And if we, you know, drop bombs on people. We're dropping bombs on ourselves over there, you know? Uh, yeah, that's what's really needed is, is, is for us to embrace our inner healer and really allow that to happen. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like a big deal. I think as you're pointing out, you know, like for me, it's like do a little meditation where you just think about, you know, honor your ancestors, go to a grave of your of your ancestor, of somebody that's passed on. I know my, my father just passed away. And so then there's been a lot of like me really connecting with him and really like listening to him and hearing his messages and think about what he wants for my life and like that. And I, 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 and also with the rest of my families, with my siblings, with my aunt and uncle, uh, my, my cousins, you know, all the people that are related to my dad, like I'm really connected to that. And even just that is such a, a good, 
positive healing for me. You know, I'm really like learning lessons that he had to teach me. Um, and, uh, and continuing to be in relationship with him. I don't feel like he's gone. I feel like he's in my heart. Um, so yeah, I just really want to encourage everybody just, you know, just do a meditation. It doesn't have to be a big deal. You know, take some time every day to, to connect with your own lineage and your ancestors. Yeah. And for those of you who are wanting to dive into this work, I have several free offerings that might be of interest to you. One of them is a free meditation that's called Reclaim Your Energy. And there's a part of it where we call in the ancestors, but really the core intention of this is to clear your energetic field and reclaim your energy so that you can be in your power. So if that interests you, you can see that in the description of this podcast. And then I also have a free five-day challenge. It's called the Wise and Well Challenge, and it's five days to connect to your healed ancestors. So it's full of journal prompts, rituals, links, and resources to support you on your path of beginning to ask these questions and dive in and see what are some of the core wounds in my lineage and how can I begin connecting to the wisdom and the spirituality and the gifts and the magic that lives beneath all of it. So we're going to include those in the show notes as well. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's, uh, that's great. I want to do that challenge. I'm going to talk to my it's wife amazing. about it. Yay! Yeah. Please! All right. <laughs> Good. Especially when you squeal like that. It's, uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's great. Okay, great. So Tori Feldman for you, what is sacred and what is insane? Ooh, interesting. You know, insane isn't really a word that I've sat with very much. Uh, poof. Let's see. What is sacred? This might be an unpopular opinion, maybe not, but something that has really been a big part of my spiritual process lately is seeing that everything is spiritual. That goes for getting the mail, doing the dishes, doing the laundry, cleaning dust from my floors, seeing everything is sacred and everything is spiritual in the sense that we incarnated here into this life, into this realm, because we're here to learn from being human, because we're here to learn from even the most mundane things. And if you see everything in this life as a potential for something that can be a teacher, what if you do the dishes like the dishes are your teacher? What if you approach everything in your life as though this is literally a gift from the divine? Oh my God, I'm alive. I'm here. Of course, sometimes we're a little annoyed that we need to do some of these things that we might not see as spiritual or we might not see as sacred, but how can we see it through those eyes as though there's a reason I came here and this is a part of it. And when I integrate this, which I've been doing so much the last few months, and truly try to approach life from that perspective, I start to see the interconnectedness between everything. I start to see that while I'm in ceremony and my mind wanders off to some random thing that doesn't matter at all, that's just taking me from the present moment, I've seen, oh my gosh, that's because I didn't do my laundry and I have laundry sitting at home. Or, oh my gosh, that's the dust on my floors. The dust in my floors is the dust in my mind. And when I have a clear space at home, it creates a more clear energetic field, a more clear and purified heart, a more clear and purified mind that's open and available for these sacred and divine forces to work through me. And so that's a little bit on sacred, even though I could go in a million more directions. And then 
insane. Yeah, what's insane? Wow. I think what's insane is our disconnection from the earth. I think what's insane is what's calling out to be healed. I think what's insane is what's calling out for us to heal it. I think it's the parts of humanity and the parts of us that are calling out for healing. And the parts of us and the parts of humanity that have lost touch with the sacred, that have forgotten, and that have veered so far off the path that they just want to be brought back into our awareness, into the light of healing, into the light of centeredness. So when we operate from a place of disconnection from the earth and that so-called insanity, it drives us deeper into a place of disconnection, deeper into darkness. It's like a downward spiral. But when we bring our attention there and ask, what can we do to help heal this at the root? For example, disconnection from the earth has resulted in a ton of plastic being made and plastic floating in the ocean, a huge you know, pile the size of Texas. It's not just about let's clean the oceans. It's how can we clean what at the root started this mess? Yeah. And for me, cleaning what at the root started this mess is let's get more people with their bare feet in the earth. Let's help more people remember the ways that our ancient ancestors lived, how to be in harmony with the earth and how to actually speak to each other, how to work on the perhaps the greed or the scarcity that's at the bottom of why we need to create so many plastics because it's cheaper than other options, right? So what's the actual root of everything? So yeah, I think insanity is that disconnection from the earth and that disconnection from each other that's really just calling out for our healing. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Great question. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. So Tori, I just really want to acknowledge you uh, for doing the work that you're doing, for being a leader in the work of being an ancestral healer guide uh, for people. I really want to honor you in my journey as being somebody who's also on this path in a ceremonial and prayerful way, trying to figure it out in a way that's going to empower us and each other and the world. I really want to honor you as for being a powerful woman in this world, for embracing your voice, regardless of the history of suppression that has occurred for people of your gender. I really want to honor you for being an example to other people. And I want to acknowledge your humility and uh, your, your faith in humanity and this path that we are all on. Thank you. Jeff, thank you. And really, I think this about you often. I'm not just saying this because we're on a podcast. You are one of the most beautiful, open-hearted, heart-centered, genuine, joyful people. Just being in your presence, you are truly one of a kind. And the, the kindness and the generosity and the humor and the love that just beams from your heart. Like you are such a good man such a good soul, such a rich, overflowing source of love truly on this planet. And it's an honor to be your friend. It's an honor to have this conversation with you. And thank you for all of the work that you're doing, the work in ceremony, the work seen and unseen, and the work through your music and the work through this podcast. I just pray that it continues amplifying and reaching all the hearts that most need to hear your gifts and your medicine. So thank you so, so much. Wow. Thank you. I'm having trouble receiving all of that, but I definitely receive most of it. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. <laughs>
uh, and I'll work on it. Yeah, no, I really thank you. I, I thank you. Awesome. Yay. Okay, great. Lunacy is a creation of myself, Jeff Ado, with podcast management from Kimberly Joy Voice. Uh, as always, if you'd like to support this show, support me in this mission, support us in this mission, please go to patreon.com backslash lunacy podcast to become part of our team. It really means a lot, and it's a demonstration of your commitment to growth in this world. Also, share this show, you know, send it to your friend, send it to your aunt, your sister, your cousin, your dad, whoever it is that you really want to open up this kind of a conversation with. It's a real demonstration of you being of service to yourself and to other people to continue to embrace this conversation about healing our ancestors and ourselves. Much love, everybody. We'll see you next week.